Hey everybody, welcome to The Comeback. I'm your host, Kyle Michael Miller. During this episode, we're talking with Waverly Willis, who has made a remarkable comeback after being homeless, addicted to drugs, and going through kidney cancer. Dr. Charles Modlin, a kidney transplant surgeon at Cleveland Clinic, will also join us. But first, here's Waverly in his own words. My name is Waverly Willis. I'm 48 years old and live in Cleveland, Ohio. I was homeless for 15 years, addicted to drugs and alcohol. I lost a lot in my life, but the two things I never gave up was my passion for cutting hair and helping people. When I finally got to a place of stability, I reached for my clippers and decided to open up a barber shop, Urban Cuts. We give free haircuts to the homeless. We also started doing blood pressure checks in the shops to encourage people to take care of their health. I know the value of those screens because after I went to a health fair at Cleveland Clinic, doctors found out I had kidney cancer. I am now cancer free and so thankful I had that test. It's a testimony about going to the doctor and I share it with my customers every day. Waverly, Dr. Modlin, thank you so much for being here today. Thank really appreciate us. it. Thanks. Appreciate it's, it. it's good to see you both. Waverly, most of the time we get to chat with people who have made a remarkable health comeback, but you have overcome much more than just kidney cancer. You own two successful barbershops now, but how is your life different 10 to 15 years ago? Well, 15 years ago, uh, I was uh, homeless. And when I say homeless, I don't mean like couch surfing on friends and family's couches. I literally uh, slept in the streets on 18th and Superior. I ate out of the dumpster on 30th and Carnegie behind Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know. So uh, it was a very, very rough time in my life. You were addicted to drugs for 15 years. Yep. Um, on November 1st, 2004, that was the turning point for you. Yep, that's my sobriety date, 11104. Uh, that's when um, I got into Whitehaven, uh, 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 treatment facility, a, a homeless shelter for men, and that's when I began my treatment and my, my sobriety. So that's when the 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 cloudiness started to uh, disappear in my mind, you know. And you made a promise that day. Yeah, that day uh, when they gave me my where I was going to be staying at, I took a, a really hot bath, and I made a promise to God that if He was to I get emotional, sorry. Uh, when, if he was to release me from those demons, that I would spend the rest of my days, you know, doing my best to help uh, his people out. And, you know, I'm I'm still holding true to that. He's still holding on to me, and I'm still holding on to God. That's awesome. Yeah. And even when you were going through recovery, uh, you were going through barber school, too. Yeah. How did you get interested in cutting hair? Well, I always cut my hair. My mom, Wardell Willis, God rest her soul, she was she was my barber, uh, my brothers and I, and she used to cut our hair every other week, and uh, she used to do a terrible job uh -oh. of cutting our hair. <laughs> so when we'd go to school, the kids would all laugh, point fingers, make jokes at my haircuts. And I remember like it was uh, yesterday, my mom sat me down for my, my biweekly haircut, and I remember grabbing her wrist and I was just saying, mom, can I just cut my own hair? And my mom said, I don't, I don't care who cuts your hair as long as it gets cut. And uh, unfortunately, I got the same results when I got to school. The kids <laughs> would still laugh and, and make 
uh, fun of my haircuts. But like with anything, if, if you practice it, you get better and better at it. So the same kids that were laughing and joking about our my haircuts started to pull me to the side and ask me if I could cut their <laughs> hair. And my mom's basement would be filled with kids from school as well as uh, the neighborhood kids. And uh, she would count all the people in her basement. I was charging uh, $3 a haircut at the time. And my mother was charging me a dollar per person for her uh, her uh, electricity. <laughs> so I guess that's how I, I got the entrepreneurial spirit planted inside me. So in 2008, you opened Urban Cuts. Right. You have two barber shops in Cleveland. Right. But you noticed a trend that guys will come into your shop and talk about anything and everything. Right. Except their health. Right. And you wanted to change that dialogue. So what did you do? And we would have this typical barbershop banner. We'd talk about the Browns, Cavs, and the Indians. But I was noticing every now and then some of my clients would, would not show up. And I would run into a wife or a daughter, son, a family member, and say, hey, what happened to Joe? And they would say, well, he passed away because uh, he had a heart attack. He had a stroke or he had kidney failure, uh, diabetes, things of that nature. And I'm like, well, wow, I never, never knew he was going through that. And often they would say, well, he wouldn't take his high blood pressure medicine or he wouldn't quit smoking like the doctor instructed. He wouldn't, he, he wouldn't eat right, things of that nature. And I took that personal because I know that I had this guy in my chair at the very least uh, once a month, most times twice a month, once a week. And I know the influence that I had over my customers. So I started... Um, just asking, you know, have, have you been taking your blood pressure medicine? And I just, uh, I bought a blood pressure machine and I started uh, taking blood pressures myself. And then I started reaching out to Cleveland Clinic and they were thrilled to um, send uh, healthcare professionals in the shop. And so we just started educating people on what's, what's uh, a good blood pressure versus a bad blood pressure. So it just kind of morphed into cholesterol and, and, and LDLs, blood sugar levels, and things of that nature. And so we still had the same barbershop banter, but you'll be so surprised on a Saturday morning in the barbershop filled with men. And we're talking about the Browns, but we're also talking about uh, vegan recipes. Today today <laughs> is Monday, and I'm holding true. It's Meatless Monday for, for me and a bunch of my friends. And I guess a support group has started, and we got the same type of things going on inside of other barbershops in Cleveland. Dr. Mother, we need more people like Waverly, don't we? <laughs> he, he's, he's a huge inspiration, and, and he's one of the reasons that, that just keeps me going as a physician. It just inspiring. He, he's actually a healthcare provider. He's not just a barber. He's a healthcare provider in the, in the truest sense, as, as you know, as there is. Yeah. He's out there. He's actually saving lives. It's interesting because we have this new survey out here at Cleveland Clinic. It's part of our Mention It campaign that found 72% of men would rather do household chores than go to the doctor. And another pretty interesting fact is that 65% of men wait as long as possible to see their doctor if they have any health symptoms or injury. Dr. Modlin, why do men have such a hard time going to the doctor? Yeah, a lot of guys are, are afraid that if they go to the doctor, the doctor is actually going to tell them they have an abnormality, something wrong with them. A lot, a lot of it's because the way in which we're raised when we're, we're young boys, we're, we're raised to be stoic, to be macho, you know, if we fall down, skin our knee, you know, don't cry, just, you know, bear bear with it, uh, don't complain. And, and that kind of stays with us into adulthood. But in reality, a lot of guys are afraid of, of if they go to the doctor, the doctor is going to find something seriously wrong with them. Right. Um, a lot of guys think that 
you have to have signs or symptoms or pain or discomfort um, in order to have something wrong with you. And that's not the case. It, you know, for example, you know, men can have prostate cancer, not to have any symptoms whatsoever. Uh, you can have uh, high blood pressure, <clears throat> hypertension. It's called the silent killer mm -hmm. because you don't have to have any signs or symptoms whatsoever to have significant high blood pressure. And untreated high blood pressure can lead to strokes, heart disease, kidney disease, peripheral vascular disease, um, erectile dysfunction, you know, which is really, uh, you know, afflicts a lot of men. There's an I'm going to throw myself under the bus. Just a few weeks ago, there was a spot that popped up on my head. Oh, <laughs> my wife says, hey, go to the dermatologist, mm. go to Cleveland Clinic. That's where you work, right? right? Mm -hmm. Get it checked out. And I was like, oh, I'll get it checked out eventually. Well, I got it checked out. And it turns out that it's skin cancer. Oh, oh and sorry. so, you know, we're and it's the most common kind. They're going to mm. take it out. But if but it was that stigma that like, oh, it's going to be fine, even, sure. you know, though I work in healthcare, right. sometimes it's, you know, you need that person to, to kick right. you in the behind and say, mm. go there um, and do that. Dr. Modlin, you started the Minority Men's Health Fair where anyone can come to get free health screenings. And I know this fair has really opened the door for more minority men to start taking their health seriously. You've seen more than 15,000 people come through since it started. Why do you think it's been so successful? The health fair is open to all men, regardless of race or ethnicity. We target men of color, especially because uh, men of color, African-American men, uh, Hispanic, Latino men, have higher rates of what we call healthcare disparities, which means they're, they're a group of individuals who are afflicted disproportionately with prostate cancer, colorectal cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, kidney disease. And there are a variety of reasons for that. You know, minority men historically a lot of times have uh, lack the ability to access quality health care. Many have been impoverished, uh, have not had adequate health insurance or any health insurance whatsoever. Uh, and so the health fair is, is a is avenue whereby men can actually come in and get free preventative health screenings, uh, free health exams, they can receive health education. And we want the men to um, tell each other, you know, inform each other about about the event, and that's what's happening in Waverly's barbershops. We can't do it by ourselves. You know, we need surrogates like Waverly to get the word out. And Waverly, the Minority Men's Health Fair, holds a, a really important place in your heart. Right. Because back in 2015, you attended... The Minority Men's Health Fair. What happened? I was going through our, our typical screening process, and I gave them a urine sample, and they came out and told me that um, I had microscopic traces of blood in my urine. And um, they suggest they said it's probably nothing, but we suggest a follow-up visit. That was a Thursday. That following Monday, I came back to Cleveland Clinic, uh, did some more tests, and I got a call later on that same day, and they said um, you have a, a mass in your right kidney, a large mass in your right kidney, and we're going to have to remove it. And I. Um, I thought I was being punked, you know, I thought it was some type of practical joke and, you know, they were serious and I'm like, well, remove what the mass or the kidney. And he, he said, uh, we're probably going to have to remove both, you know, the whole kidney. And so I was stunned. And, um, so, you know, Dr. Marlin, I know we've, we've done these type of things before, but I never, I never got a chance to thank you. And I just want to oh. thank you for doing that for me, because without that test, I wouldn't be here, you know. And you know, a, a urine a urine screen is not a tip when you go to the doctor for a checkup. That's not like a typical test 
that you get. So for them to do in-depth screens at these health fairs, uh, it's just important that that we get our, ourselves checked up because they're doing they're not doing just regular blood pressures and things of that nature. They're going deeper. Two weeks after that, you know, I was getting my kidney removed. So I, I'm sitting here in front of you guys today with one kidney and um, I'm healthy, you know, from that experience and from me um, seeing my, my, some of my clients passing away for not taking care of themselves, uh, it's still a battle, you know. I, I, I still have a battle with food, but my blood pressure is, is on point. Uh, since then, I've, I've lost 150 pounds. My blood sugar is on point. Uh, my cholesterol, everything is good for me now. So, again, I just never had a chance to thank Dr. Modlin for providing this for me. And I'm just a regular guy that he didn't have to fight to instill and keep the minority men's health fair going. So I'm just grateful for you, Dr. And we're, we're grateful for you being here and helping spread the word and everything you do. There, there are countless individuals out there that you may not even realize you're saving their lives. You, you really are, and the lives of their family members right. by you doing what you're doing on a daily basis. So thank right. you. Dr. Mouthen, why is prevention so important? Why should men take that step sure. to get tested? You know, it's important because as physicians and healthcare providers, nurses, you know, there are things that we can do about um, a lot of these diseases, you know, that Waverly's talking about, kidney disease, hypertension, diabetes, heart disease. If we can diagnose and detect these conditions in early stages, um, in early stages, we can actually treat and cure a lot of these conditions. You take the case of kidney disease, for example, African-Americans develop kidney disease about four times more readily than, than white Americans, Caucasian Americans. Um, and there's a disproportionate need for African-Americans to receive a kidney transplant, yet there are not enough organs available for transplantation. There's about 125,000 individuals on the national transplant waiting list, yet we only do about 25,000 kidney transplants a year. So in, that's an example where prevention is key. There's not enough kidneys to go around to transplant everybody. So our key message in terms of avoiding um, onset of kidney failure and kidney disease is early detection of uh, kidney disease, you know, preventing diabetes and hypertension. And if you already have hypertension or diabetes, controlling those conditions so that you will not go on to have end-stage kidney disease. You know, same thing goes for um, heart disease, you know, diabetes and, and uh, hypertension lead to heart disease and, and stroke. So it's something that we really need to um, get our arms around as far as healthcare providers uh, addressing these healthcare disparities. I just want to piggyback on something Dr. Modlin said far as men not getting to the doctor like they should. Their number one defense when I bring it up is, I feel fine. <laughs> and I, I want to say, and this is very important, so I, I want, if anybody can get anything out of this, I had no symptoms whatsoever. Literally, I felt fine. I felt normal. And it wasn't a small mass. It was a large mass. So it had probably been there for, for quite okay. some time. So just because you feel fine does not, uh, is not a reason for you not to go to the doctor. Waverly, what are some of the conversations that you're having with men who come into your barbershop? What are the health issues that they're talking about today? Some of the health issues uh, are hypertension. Uh, some of the health issues are just eating right. They say, well, I don't have diabetes. I'm pre-diabetic. And I say, well, you understand that just means you're going to have diabetes one day. 
you know, unless you get your weight down, unless you get your blood pressure down, unless you have a relationship, an ongoing relationship with your physician. But along that, it's been an, another thing that we've been talking about is um, depression, anxiety, things of that nature. You know, as men, we wear this ma macho uh, uh, mask, you know, so we don't talk about these things. So again, I just want to change the barbershop dialogue. I want you to walk away with something better than just a haircut. Waverly, you've made such a remarkable comeback in many areas of your life. Right. In 10 years, where do you hope to be? What do you hope to be doing? In 10 years, I'm definitely still going to be bothering men to go to the doctor <laughs> on a regular basis. That's good news. In 10 years, I want to continue educating and getting the word out. And I want to decrease the numbers in, uh, of high blood pressure, decrease the numbers of people being pre-diabetic, reduce our weight. I know that God didn't allow me to survive being a, uh, a drug addict and alcoholic, walking the streets, uh, picking cigarette butts up off the ground and holding a cup in my hand and having me uh, sur survive having kidney cancer uh, for no reason. Dr. Modlin, it must be, give you so much thrill and hope to see patients like Waverly who have come through the other side. Oh, it's remarkable. Yeah. My dad passed away in 2010, um, but he um, was really a, a, a catalyst, a, a motivator um, for me to give back, um, you know, to the community. I would always take him to, you know, all of the health fairs, and we would stand there at 5 o'clock waiting, you know, for the doors to open. And, and I, I, would, I would see these droves of men, hundreds of men coming in and, you know, registration desk. I literally would have tears, you know, running down my... Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I don't like to, you know, mention that I have tears running down my, uh -huh. my face, but I literally would have tears running down my face seeing these men mm -hmm. take advantage of this opportunity. And not only seeing the men come in, but also seeing the, the hundreds of Cleveland Clinic volunteers stepping up. Sometimes I don't want people to see me get emotional, but yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah I, I can't help it myself because it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, um, especially knowing that through all the stuff that I've been through, um, God is still keeping me, and, and again, I, I know it's good to know why, uh, why, why you're here, and I know for a fact that this is why I'm here, not like, uh, I, he just gave me a great compliment, he just said, I'm not just a barber, you know, and I'm, I'm a healthcare provider, mm -hmm. and, and I wear that hat, and I want to continue to wear it well, and make Dr. Milan, Cleveland Clinic, and, and my family proud of me. So I don't know, Waver, if you remember, um Surgeons actually used to double up as barbers. I think yeah, you know the, the technical <laughs> term is barber surgeon. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, it, when it first came about, yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, well, I'll we're... take it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any closing thoughts before we wrap up today? You are a healthcare provider. You're helping you know get the word out and helping save lives by doing the show. So I really thank you and thank Waverly for continuing to do the work that you do. And the last thought is just because you feel fine is not a reason to not go to the doctor. That's not acceptable. Amen, right? Amen. <laughs> hey, Waverly, thank you so much for sharing your story and being thank so you. open and transparent with, with all the different chapters you have. Waverly, Dr. Modlin, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org backslash podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Mm -hmm.